Y'all are amazing. That's great. Thank y'all. Thank you. We thank God for you, your commitment. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our rock and redeemer. Help us to hear what we need to hear today. Amen. About 43 years ago in Brookhaven, I was running around the front yard on Lida Lane, and uh, my Uncle Richard said, we're going camping. And so this was back in the day when this wouldn't have gotten you arrested, but we all jumped in the back of the truck to go camping. Y'all remember those days? And I don't know, my eight or nine-year-old self, my sister's, Some of their friends, some of my friends, we took about a nine-mile drive on Zetas Road to a place called McCall's Creek. Now, in South Mississippi, and I guess in a lot of places here, you know, it's got that that sand, that really white sand. And I remember us driving up as a kid over this old rickety wooden bridge that I hope people aren't driving over anymore, but... It's right there, and we looked to our right, and there was this beautiful stream. It felt like it was bigger than life, and we got out and got our camping equipment out, and um, uh, we played a lot of games. We played capture the flag. We did all this stuff, and it just it seemed like bigger than life. I can remember even how it smelled. I can remember the rock that you could jump off of and how scary. It wasn't that high, but it seemed like it was high to me and wondering what was there at the bottom. And, of course, my uncle had got, made sure it was deep enough and safe enough to jump in. I remember floating down the creek, McCall's Creek. Again, we played capture the flag. And then I remember as nighttime fell, the sky got dark and I saw a billion stars. And I felt the really warm sand around my feet, the softness and warmth of it. I felt the warm air pressing against my skin. But there was also something more intangible going on. Um, I didn't know what it was, but one moment I'm in the back of this pickup heading for McCall's Creek. And the next moment I stopped moving and became a receptacle an experience. Standing in the stillness among the pines and the creek, my heart slowed. It felt very calm. One moment, I'm a hyper seven or eight-year-old boy. The next, I sensed that I was loved. I knew other people were loved as well by God, that it was more than sand and water and rocks and trees. It was almost God's love note to me and to the world. And I knew that everybody on the planet had been given this gift, whether we see it or not. Now, I really couldn't say it that way at the time. But when I remember, that's what I felt as a boy. And my Sunday school teachers and my pastors and other people began to teach me about this Kairos moment when every now and then moment Moments stand still 
And you start to really sense God's presence. The fear melts away and the anxieties melt away. And you feel like the veil, feel like the veil has been lifted. Now life is full of ordinary and extraordinary moments. And fear often is sort of the white noise, the static noise that pushes that beauty away. If we live long enough, we know we get burned and we get hurt and we get scarred. And sometimes I think we forget what the sand feels like under our feet. We forget what that sounds like and feels like. Thomas Keating, traffic monk, said that we're all like big basins full of silt. And we get shaken up all the time. But if we're lucky, if we're lucky... We get settled and the silt falls to the bottom and we can finally see clearly and we can see beauty, but it's not easy. Jesus said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Jesus said, remain in me and I will remain in you. Jesus is saying to our seven-year-old self, be still and feel the sand under your feet and look at the stars that I've given you. Be still and know that I am God all day, every day, all your life. So for the next few Sundays, we're going to go beneath the surface, beneath the sand, right at the soles of your feet. And I hope this is an invitation to be still and go deep with God and to remember how important it is To stay connected in loving union with God. It's not like McCall's Creek disappears, right? But sometimes, sometimes we get so hurried that we forget. I'm I'm worried about the church in general, not us, but I guess us too. I guess we're vulnerable to it. But we get settled for this superficial kind of spirituality where we never slow down. All we're doing is good things, which is a good thing, right? But we fail to abide in Christ. We're so interested in doing that we forget that we're called to be for God before we can do anything with God, right? We're called to be before we're called to do. A lot of times we get the cart before the horse. We're talking about emotionally healthy spirituality. And really the first thing that we do about it is to do nothing And do it well. Do nothing and do it well. All the effort to do good won't do a bit of good without connection. Without connection. We've got to be plugged in to find our power source. And you know, the more familiar we are with church, sometimes the more easy it is to fall into that doing vortex, right? But there's so much more to God and to our church, and to each of us that meets the eye. We see only the tip of the iceberg. There's so much below that's happening in our lives. Trees with shallow root system, right? They're dried out roots, and they're incapable of growing fruit. you got to be connected. We almost, we're almost in an herbicide Christianity, where we just keep spraying the leaves and spraying the stuff. But we're not really dealing with what's most important. The soil 
where the roots are. We keep spraying the branches when we need to be cultivating the soil. This is what Jesus said, and I, and I, say, and I shared this in the message. This is the message. So it's a little bit, um, it's modern language. It's a paraphrase, Eugene Peterson. Jesus says in Matthew 23, 27 and 28, he's talking to his opponents here. You're hopeless, you religion scholars and Pharisees. You're frauds. You're like manicured grave plots, grass clipped in the flowers, a bright, but six feet down, it's all rotting, bones and worm-eaten flesh. People look at you and they think you're saints, but beneath the skin, you're total frauds. I don't want to be a shallow Christian. I don't want to be a shallow disciple. And oftentimes I know that I am. And most of the time when I fall into that shallowness, I'm in a rush. I'm thinking more about efficiency. You know, really the church is not about efficiency, right? We would do things a lot differently if we, all we were out was about efficiency. But we're about connection, deep and abiding connection, right? That's why... The more people get involved, the more people find their place in doing something and sharing others, the, the more deeply rooted we're, that we're going to be, you know? Be before you do. That's the first commandment in emotionally healthy discipleship. When my doing exceeds my being, I can tell. Can you? You ever gotten so busy doing stuff that you forget you forgot? Why you're even doing it in the first place? We get in a rush. We can do that in our relationships, in our families, in our marriages, in our jobs. And yes, we can do it in our church. I don't know about you, but when I get ahead of myself and when my doing gets ahead of its being, I can tell. I can feel it in my body. Now the writer, the author of the book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, he, he talks about a list. This is where he picks up on and uh, I'll share this on Facebook and share this with you maybe next week because we all probably have our different lists, but this is what he says. Um, see if this applies to you. When, he says when his, being, when his doing uh, exceeds his being with God, he says he starts to compare himself with other people. He often says yes when he prefers to say no. I wish I was better at that. Anybody ever got a weakness with that? You know? I always admire my dad because he always said no real quickly. But then he would say yes later on probably because he told me, he said, Bruce, it's easier to turn a no into a yes than it is to turn a yes into a no, right? But I often say yes when I prefer to say no. I often don't speak up because I'm scared of what other people might think. That could be a symptom of doing a lot more than you're being. I get defensive and easily offended. Oh my goodness. When I get running around, that's exactly what happens to me. I have a hard time laughing at my failures and shortcomings. Maybe I take myself too seriously. My sense of worth comes from what I have and what I do instead of who I am. I often act different when in different situations and with different people. When I get rushed and I don't get anchored in, I lose my grounding and I start to try to be everything to everybody and I just can't be that. 
God's not calling me to be everything, to do everything, but just to do one person. God's not calling me to be everybody, just be Bruce. Because I know one day God's not going to ask me if I wasn't more like this person. God's going to ask me, why wasn't I more myself? You see, all these things are not problems in and of themselves, but they're symptoms of a groundless, hurried life where we don't have time anymore to rest in the sand and marvel at God's presence. So what do we do about it? Well, here are two or three things that Peter suggests, and I want to suggest them to you. One is make a radical decision to ground yourself, to reconnect with God. Make a radical decision because it will take nothing less than a radical decision to slow down in a hurried up, sped up world. The world wants to continue, the culture wants to continue to speed us up, but we have got to be different and we got to slow down. Christ's invitation to be in this world is going to strike people in this culture as odd. Because it is an odd thing in this world to do nothing. It's something you'll have to commit to for a long, long, long time. If it was easy, it wouldn't take a commitment, but you're worth it. Jesus waited 30 years before he got into public ministry. 30 years. And even when he was, we read over and over in the Gospels, he went up to the mountains and did what? Prayed by himself. Took care of himself. He trained those disciples for three years. Sometimes we think we can do, get something done in ten minutes, but spirituality and discipleship is like any other endeavor. It takes a long, long, long time. Make a radical decision and commit. Commit to maybe slowing down. The second thing is know thyself. Know thyself. Know who you are. And own your emotions. A lot of people say push back those emotions. But y'all, when you get an emotion, when you're angry, when you're frustrated, when you're depressed, when you're sad, maybe it's telling you something. Maybe it's telling us something. Maybe it's, maybe it's calling you to see something in a different way or to do something differently. So know your emotions. Because Moses and Jeremiah and David and Mary and even Jesus... Even Jesus showed their emotions from time and not just the pretty ones, right? Sometimes they got angry and frustrated. It's, it's really what you do with that emotion that's important. Know your emotions. Here's a third thing. Find your silence. Find your silence. Back in the day, back in the day, everything in Jesus' day shut down when you saw the second star on a Friday night, everybody in Jesus' world rested until you could see the second star on Saturday night. That was their Sabbath. And they rested. And they took it seriously. And they took it Now, some of them went overboard. Sometimes Jesus would heal somebody on a Sabbath. One time he was picking some grain because they were hungry. He just was a little hungry. And he got condemned and he said... We are not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath is made for us. In other words, it's not a rule to follow to rest once a week. It's a gift from God because you're not a machine. You're human. We have limitations. 
And I know it's kind of weird in this day. They used to have those blue laws. You remember the, you remember the blue laws? I don't really remember them. I don't think. I, I know some of you, like, if you're below 30, you don't, you don't remember that everybody was Chick-fil-A back in 1970, weren't they? Everybody was Chick-fil-A, you know? And now Chick-fil-A sticks out like a sore thumb because they rest. They let their workers rest. And nobody here, nobody here was put on this earth to work all the time and not rest. Work is important. We work hard. But take care of your body and your mind and spirit and find your silence. Find your McCall's Creek. The world will not stop spinning if we rest. Because God is at work. We're called to do that. Find your McCall's Creek. Find that rhythm where you can slow down and feel the sand and get wrapped up in God's love again. Find your Sabbath because it's a gift. It's a gift. The fourth thing is commune with Jesus throughout the day. Just be mindful that Christ is with you wherever you go. Practice the presence of Christ. If you saw me driving in my car, you'd probably think I was crazy. Because I talk to Jesus a lot in my car at the stoplight. Either that or I'm singing a song. And I probably look, look a little weird doing that too. But what I'm saying is, is like there are opportunities at all times. Paul says pray always. He's not talking about 24 hours kneeling at the altar. But let your life be an altar. Let your life be a conversation with God. Practice the presence of God. Make a radical decision. Know yourself. Be in touch with, these, with your own dashboard about but what's going on deep, deep inside you. Find your silence and commune with Jesus throughout the day. You know, that's, we, we don't gather here every Sunday because we think that this is the only place you can find Jesus. Right? We gather here every Sunday to train our eyes so that when we go out of those doors, we see Jesus in disguise in more places. The Greek Orthodox, here's what they believe, and here's a little saying about what they believe about uh, heaven. They say, right now as we speak, there is a big party going on in heaven. Big party going on in heaven. The finest food, the finest wine, the finest music. People are just... Swinging from the chandeliers, having a great time right now. And every so often, the bottom drops out of the floor and the party comes down here. We call that Sunday morning worship, right? Amen. We light that candle, Corbin, right? We do it. So for an hour, we kind of do nothing, really. People go, those people are strange. They're doing nothing for an hour. Well, nothing is not nothing. Nothing is something. We're practicing the presence of God. We are letting our anxious, worried spirits settle. We're letting the silt come down out of our basins so that we can see more 
clearly. We're here to remember that God is in control even when we're not. We're here to remember that if we had the worst week we've ever had this year, that God is here saying, get back up. I forgive you. Let's try this again. We can do this. We can do this. I think the reason people resist slowing down is that when you slow down, you're kind of alone with your thoughts. And that's a dangerous thing. And I think if you're alone with your thoughts, and if you're alone with God, you might hear Jesus asking you to change. And we fear change. We'd almost rather have our fear and anger, because better the devil you know than the devil you don't. But God wants to change you and me from the inside. And for that to happen, you got to sit still. You got to let the water settle. In Psalm 23, in Psalm 23, it says, He leadeth me beside the still waters. I'm told, I don't know if this is true, but sheep will not drink from rushing waters. They've got to see the bottom before they'll drink. God leads me by still waters. It may not be true, but it sure makes for a good analogy, right? God leads us beside the still water. Jesus is not just our way maker. Jesus is our change maker. And our change maker walks with us and it takes years to develop the discipline of Sabbath and silence. It's crazy, but true. Our first task as followers of Jesus is to do, to commit to being still. It may seem like it's nothing, but it's everything. It's the only starting point that will till the soil and bear the fruit. That way, you can sing with the psalmist, my cup runneth over. That way, when you're filled up after being stilled and somebody bumps into you, love comes out of your cup. Not hate, not anger. That way, you'll never run out of nourishment when you face the big challenges of your life that you can't face alone. Our mission statement, or vision statement here is growing faith, sharing hope, and what? Abiding love. Stay with me, says Jesus. Abide in me and I will abide in you. May God bless you to find your McCall's Creek. May God bless you again to feel the warm sand under your feet and the air against your skin and the sky that only God can make. Let's move from shallow Christianity to deep transformation. Let's Sabbath. Let us pray. Lord God, you are the vine and we are the branches and it seems so counterintuitive for you to call us to be still calm us down oh god in our lives slow us down and help us to find those still waters where you long to commune with us so that we might be full of your love in this world that is still yet anxious these things we ask in christ's name amen